0: Story 11, of Lucy Maud Montgomery, short stories from 1904. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anthony Lee, short stories from 1904, by L. M. Montgomery. Story 11, Natty of Blue Point. Natty Miller strolled down to the wharf, where Bliss Ford was tying up the cockawee. Bliss was scowling darkly at the boat, a trim new one painted white, whose furled sails seemed unaccountably wet, and whose glistening interior likewise dripped with moisture. A group of fishermen on the wharf were shaking their heads sagely as Natty drew near. "'Might as well split her up for kindlings, Bliss,' said Jake McLaren. you will never get men to sail in her.' It passed the first time, seeing as only young Johnson was skipper, but when a boat turns turtle with Captain Frank in command, there's something seriously wrong with her. What's up? asked Natty. The cockawee upset out in the bay again this morning, answered Will Scott. That's the second time. The grey gull picked up the men and towed her in. It's no use trying to sail her. Lobstermen ain't going to risk their lives in a boat like that. How's things over at Blue Point, Natty? Pretty well, responded Natty laconically. Natty never wasted words. He had not talked a great deal in his fourteen years of life, but he was much given to thinking. He was rather undersized and insignificant-looking, but there were a few boys of his own age on the mainland who knew that Natty had muscles. Has Everett heard anything from Ottawa about the lighthouse business yet? asked Will. Natty shook his head. Think he's any chance of getting the appointment, queried Adam Lewis. Not the ghost of a chance, said Cooper Creasy decidedly. He's on the wrong side of politics, that's what. Or rather, his father was. A Tory son ain't going to get an appointment from a Liberal government, that's what. Mr. Barr says that Everett is too young to be trusted in such a responsible position, quoted Natty gravely. Cooper shrugged his shoulders. Maybe, maybe. Eighteen is kind of green, but everybody knows that Ev's been the real lighthouse keeper for two years, since your father took sick. Irving Elliot wants that light, has wanted it for years, and he's a pretty strong pull at headquarters, that's what. Barr owes him something for years of hard work at elections. I ain't saying anything against Elliot either. He's a good man, but your father's son ought to have that light, as sure as he won't get it, that's what. Any of you going to take in the sports tomorrow down at Summerside? asked Will Scott, in order to switch Cooper away from politics, which were apt to excite him. I'm going for one, said Adam. There's to be a yacht race between the Summerside and Charlottetown boat clubs. Yes, I'm going. Give you a chance down to the station, Natty, if you want one. Natty shook his head. Not going, he said briefly. You should celebrate Victoria Day, said Adam, patriotically. 24th and Mary's the Queen's birthday. If we don't get a holiday, we'll all run away, as we used to say at school. The good old Queen is dead, but the day's been appointed a national holiday in honour of her memory, and you should celebrate it becoming, Natty boy. Ev and I can't both go, and he's going, explained Natty. Prue and I'll stay home to light up. Must be getting back now. Looks squally. I misdoubt if we'll have Queen's weather tomorrow, said Cooper, squinting critically at the sky. Looks like a northeast blow, that's what. There goes Bliss, striding off and looking pretty mad. The cockawee's a dead loss to him, that's what. Nat's off. He knows how to handle a boat middling well, too. Pity he's such a puny youngster. Not much to him, I reckon. Natty had cast loose in his boat, the Merry Maid, and hoisted his sail. In a few minutes, he was skimming gaily down the bay. The wind was fair and piping, and the Merry Maid went like a bird. Natty, at the rudder, steered for Blue Point Island, a reflective frown on his face. He was feeling in no mood for Victoria Day sports. In a very short time, he and Evan Prue must leave Blue Point Lighthouse, where they had lived all their lives. To Natty, it seemed as if the end of all things would come then. Where would life be worth living away from lonely, windy Blue Point Island? David Miller had died the preceding winter after a long illness. He had been lighthouse keeper at Blue Point for 30 years. His three children had been born and brought up there, and there, four years ago, the mother had died but womanly little Prue had taken her place well, and the boys were devoted to their sister. When their father died, Everett had applied for the position of lighthouse keeper. The matter was not yet publicly decided, but old Cooper Creasy had sized the situation up accurately. The Millers had no real hope that Everett would be appointed. Victoria Day, while not absolutely stormy, proved to be rather unpleasant. A choppy northeast wind blew up the bay, and the water was rough enough. The sky was overcast with clouds, and the May air was raw and chilly. At Blue Point, the millers were early astir, for if Everett wanted to sail over to the mainland in time to catch the excursion train, no morning naps were permissible. He was going alone. Since only one of the boys could go, Natty had insisted that it should be Everett and Prue had elected to stay home with Natty. Prue had small hearts for Victoria Day that year. She did not feel even a thrill of enthusiasm when Natty hoisted a flag and wreathed the Queen's picture with creeping spruce. Prue felt as badly about leaving Blue Point Island as the boys did. The day passed slowly. In the afternoon, the wind fell away to a dead calm, but there was still a heavy swell on, and shortly before sunset, a fog came creeping up from the east and spread over the bay and islands, so thick and white that Prue and Natty could not even see Little Bear Island on the right. I'm glad Everett isn't coming back tonight, said Prue. He could never find his way across the harbour in that fog. Isn't it thick, though, said Natty. The light won't show far tonight. At sunset, they lighted the great lamps, and then settled down to an evening of reading. But it was not long before Natty looked up from his book to say, Hello, Prue. What was that? Thought I heard a noise. So did I, said Prue. It sounded like someone calling. They hurried to the door, which looked out on the harbour. The night, owing to the fog, was dark, with a darkness that seemed almost tangible. From somewhere out of that darkness came a muffled shouting, like that of a person in distress. "'Prue, there's somebody in trouble out there!' exclaimed Natty. "'Oh, it's surely never Ev!' cried Prue. Natty shook his head. "'Don't think so. Ev had no intention of coming back tonight. "'Get that lantern, Prue. I must go and see what and who it is.' "'Oh, Natty, you mustn't!' cried Prue in distress. "'There's a heavy swell on yet, and the fog... oh, if you get lost... I'll not get lost. And I must go, Prue. Maybe somebody's drowning out there. It's not Ev, of course. But suppose it were. That's a good girl. Prue, with set face, had brought the lantern, resolutely choking back the words of fear and protest that rushed to her lips. They hurried down to the shore, and Natty sprang into the little skiff he used for rowing. He hastily lashed the lantern in the stern, cast loose the painter, and lifted the oars. "'I'll be back as soon as possible,' he called to Prue. "'Wait here for me!' In a minute the shore was out of sight, and Natty found himself alone in the black fog, with no guide but the cries for help, which already were becoming fainter. They seemed to come from the direction of Little Bear, and thither Natty rowed. It was a tough pull, and the water was rough enough for the little dory. But Natty had been at home with oars from babyhood, and his long training and tough sinews stood him in good stead now. Steadily and intrepidly he rowed along. The water grew rougher as he passed out from the shelter of Blue Point into the channel between the latter and Little Bear. The cries were becoming very faint. What if he should be too late? He bent to the oars with all his energy. Presently. By the smoother water, he knew he must be in the lee of Little Bear. The cry sounded nearer. He must already have rowed nearly a mile. The next minute he shot around a small headland, and right before him, dimly visible in the faint light cast by the lantern through the fog, was an upturned boat with two men clinging to it, one on each side, evidently almost exhausted. Natty rowed cautiously up to the one nearest him knowing that he must be wary lest the grip of the drowning man overturn his own light skiff let go when i say he shouted and don't grab anything do you hear don't grab now let go the next minute the man lay in the dory dragged over the stern by netty's grip on his collar lie still ordered natty clutching the oars to row around the overturned boat amid the swirl of water about her was a task that taxed Nettie's skill and strength to the utmost. The other man was dragged in over the bow, and with a gasp of relief, Natty pulled away from the sinking boat. Once clear of her, he could not row for a few minutes. He was shaking from head to foot with a reaction from tremendous effort and strain. "'This'll never do,' he muttered. "'I'm not going to be a baby now, but will I ever be able to row back?' Presently, however, he was able to grip his oars again and pull for the lighthouse, whose beacon loomed dimly through the fog like a great blur of whiter mist. The men, obedient to his orders, lay quietly where he had placed them, and before long, Natty was back again at the lighthouse landing, where Prue was waiting, wild with anxiety. The men were helped out and assisted up to the lighthouse, where Natty went up to hunt up dry clothes for them, and Prue flew about to prepare hot drinks. "'To think that that child saved us!' exclaimed one of the men. "'Why, I didn't think a grown man had the strength to do what he did.' "'He's your brother, I suppose, Miss Miller?' "'You have another brother, I think.' "'Oh, yes, Everett, but he's away,' explained Prue. "'We heard your shouts, and Natty insisted on going at once to your rescue.' "'Well, he came just in time.' I couldn't have held on another minute. was so done up, I couldn't have moved or spoken all the way here, even if he hadn't commanded me to keep perfectly still. Natty returned at this moment and exclaimed, Why? It is Mr. Barr. I didn't recognise you before. Barr it is, young man. This gentleman is my friend, Mr. Blackmore. We have been celebrating Victoria Day by a shooting tramp over Little Bear. We hired a boat from Ford at the harbour head this morning, the Cockawee, he called her, and sailed over. I don't know much about running a boat, but Blackmore here thinks he does. We were at the other side of the island, when the fog came up. We hurried across it, but it was almost dark when we reached our boat. We sailed around the point, and then the boat just simply upset. Don't know why. But I know why, interrupted Natty indignantly. That cock wee does nothing but upset. She's turned turtle twice out in the harbour in fine weather. Ford was a rascal to let her to you. He might have known what would happen. Why? Why, it was almost murder to let you go. I thought there must be something queer about her, declared Mr Blackmore. I do know how to handle a boat, despite my friend's gibe, and there was no reason why she should have upset like that. That ford ought to be whipped. Thanks to Prue's stinging hot decoctions of blackcurrant drink, the two gentlemen were no worse for their drenching and exposure. And the next morning, Natty took them to the mainland in the Merry Maid. When he parted with them, Mr. Barr shook his hand heartily and said, Thank you, my boy. You're a plucky youngster and a skilful one too. Tell your brother... That if I can get the Blue Point Lighthouse berth for him, I will. And as for yourself, you'll always find a friend in me. And if ever I can do anything for you, I will. Two weeks later, Everett received an official document, formally appointing him keeper of Blue Point Island Light. Natty carried the news to the mainland, where it was joyfully received among the fishermen. Only right and fair, said Cooper Creasy. Blue Point, without a miller to light up, wouldn't seem the thing at all, that's what. And it's nothing but Ev's do. Guess Natty had more to do with it than Ev, said Adam, perpetrating a very poor pun and being immensely applauded, therefore. It keyed Will Scott up to rival Adam. You said that Irving had a pull and the millers hadn't, he said jocularly. But it looks as if twas Natty's pull did the business after all. His pull over to Bear Island and back. "'It was about a miracle that a boy could do what he did on such a night,' said Charles Macy. "'Where's Ford?' asked Natty uncomfortably. He hated to have his exploit talked about. "'Ford is cleared out,' said Cooper. "'Gone down to Summerside to go into Tob Meeking's factory there.' "'Best thing he could do, that's what. "'Folks here hadn't no use of him after letting that death trap to them two men. "'Even if they was Liberals.' The cockweeds drove ashore on Little Bear, and there she's going to remain, I guess. Do you want a berth in my mackerel boat this summer, Natty? I do," said Natty. "But I thought you said you were full. I guess I can make room for you," said Cooper. A boy with such grit and muscle ain't to be allowed to go to seed on Blue Point. That's what. Yes, sir. We'll make room for you, and Natty's cup of happiness was full. End of Natib of Blue Point. Recording by Anthony Lee, Aarhus, Denmark.